0: Welcome to this week's version of A Cowboy Life, the storytelling podcast, brought to you by Smoothie King, blending goodness to fuel your greatness. I'm Brady Tinker. Today's story is about a man you all no doubt feel close to because he's been calling your Dallas Cowboy football games since 1976.
1: Brad Cham has always been that voice of the Dallas Cowboys. You can hear his love for the team no matter how well or badly they're playing. Brad has always been the one commentator that understood the way I played, and he seemed to have an insight to all the players and what our weaknesses were and what our strengths were. And he was the first person that understood what my mentality was as I played. He was the only commentator that knew what was going on in my head when that ball was in the air and I was king in on it to get an interception. That alone impressed me, the fact that Brad Sham knew exactly what I was thinking and what I was feeling before I would make a play on the ball. And I have never, ever tried to tell him about it. He told me about it how I looked when I'm about to get an interception. I didn't know that it was visually visible to me that lets me know how well not only does he know football, how well he knows the football players.
0: Very nice of you, Everson Walls and well said. You know, sports broadcasters and fans have a relationship. Broadcasters paint the game's picture for us of the setting and about our players. They're players too, but we don't listen all that closely about them. The men who announce our games about our teams, they are us. They are regular people who have the world's best job. Hanging out around our team during the week, only to be on site as the games begin. We depend on them to tell us the truth to report on the game taking place in front of them to the best of their ability. And we know they do because they are family. Hey, Cowboys fans, meet your Uncle Brad. Hey, Unc, where are you from?
2: All over the place, Brady. From Chicago, my dad's job as an optometrist took him to various places, mostly but not exclusively in the Midwest. He would go to a place for about two years, and then they'd move him somewhere else. Chicago, Kansas twice, Topeka, Mobile, Alabama, San Juan, Puerto Rico, before we went back to the Chicago area where I went to high school.
0: In case you haven't figured it out yet, that is the soothing voice of Cowboys play-by-play man and the voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Brad Sham. Brad, as you heard, was raised, quote, all over the place, but calls Chicago home. He is an 11-time Texas Broadcaster of the Year and is in the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. But about that part of your youth when your family was bouncing around quite a bit, how hard was that?
2: Everybody else had all kinds of friends that they knew all through school, and uh, I never had that. Because yeah. we moved, like I said, every two years, so that was that was hard. Chicago was better, and I went three years of high school there, so that's
0: that's still home. So high school in Chicago, then on to the University of Missouri and their school of journalism. Do you know what you wanted to do?
2: Absolutely. I wanted to be a baseball announcer. We were living in Chicago and I watched the Cubs and White Sox every day. I figured out that by about the age of fourteen I was not gonna be playing center field for the White Sox. And I literally had an epiphany one day. There'd be two games a day on. I would watch both games. I literally had this epiphany one day that the announcers were the same announcers that I was hearing every day, and that meant they had to be at the ball game every day. I'd like to go to the ball
0: game every day. That's <laughs> that was my whole motivation. So, how did going to college at Missouri to be a journalist serve you?
2: Everybody in the journalism school had to take everything. That I found helpful, not at the time, but ultimately, you know, you kind of understood the reasoning for it.
0: When I got into the radio and TV business, one of the first things my producer, Hammond Reynolds, said to me was, say yes to everything. I, too, now understand the reasoning for it. If I knew what the photogs and the camera guys did and the writers and the editors, I would be better at my job in the end. So tell me more about your time at Missouri, please.
2: In my senior year, I had the opportunity to work the first semester a commercial radio station as the news reporter. The second semester, I worked for the television station in Columbia, Missouri. I actually did the 7.25 a.m. local news in the Today Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays, in the second semester of my senior year.
0: The publication, The College Gazette, currently ranks the journalism school at the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri, the second best in the nation. Brad got a great opportunity, and he made the most of it. But I have another question. So did you take to that right away? Were you comfortable with that right away? Yeah, I'd I'd had a... uh... My high school
2: had a radio station, a commercial station. I started, the the first broadcasting of any kind I ever did was then. I did a scoreboard show for football my sophomore year in high school, and my senior year I did play-by-play for baseball and basketball. I was on the path then of that, this is what I want to do, so I was comfortable with it.
0: So no nerves at all doing live radio and TV shows to thousands and thousands of homes?
2: I can't see any of them. A little red light comes on. If you can follow directions, you can do it.
0: It's not as simple as that, I assure you. The thing that will make you calm before going live on TV or radio? Preparation. If you know everything about your topic, then you can relax. Right, Brad?
2: The funny thing about the preparation is it's not because everything goes the way you prepared for it. It's just that when things don't go the way you prepared for it, you're prepared. That's the great fun of the job. You don't know what's going to happen. You're just prepared for the unexpected.
0: Got it. So everything is going as planned. You've been to a great school, made the most of your opportunities, and you feel ready for what's next. But what was it you said about the unexpected?
2: I was uh, in the first year of the lottery, so I missed my graduation and my roommate's wedding to spend the summer of 1970 at uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana. I do not recommend summering at Fort Polk, but there I was nonetheless. Infantry. When I got out, the draftees and enlisted men in my company were on their way to Vietnam. And those of us who were National Guardsmen and Reservists went home. And home then became Dallas.
0: Quote, home became Dallas because, as you might have guessed, Brad's father had once again been transferred for his work, and it led them to the great state of Texas. In Dallas, home of the TV show Dallas, and 7-Eleven, and White Rock Lake, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Meat Loaf, the singer that is, not the food. As you know, Dallas is also home to your Dallas Cowboys. But wait, don't jump ahead yet.
2: In December of 1970, I saw an ad in the newspaper for a news reporter opening at WRR AM on frequency 1310. It was a very eclectic, unconventional mess of an operation. Uh, But they had a news department, a pretty good one. And the guy hired me because I would work for $600 a month. And I had a, a journalism degree from Missouri. That's why I got hired. And the $600 a month in um, December of 1970, that was enough to pay
3: for a car and apartment.
2: Pretty, pretty I was, damn good start. I, I was on the
3: highest of the hogs. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana.
4: the official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done, get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com.
5: Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim and his unbending attitude a man stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him it projected a rugged unstoppable spirit stetson hats are still american made with pride right here in texas they're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys and stetson is proud to be on the field with america's team find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys
0: A little bit of history. W-R-R-A-M in Dallas was the first licensed broadcast station in the state of Texas. First on the air in 1921, it was housed in the Dallas Fire Department and touted as the latest in fire department communications. But you said news reporter opening, right? Aren't you a sports guy?
2: When I was at Missouri, I discovered journalism, And I understood then that there was a broader world than the one whose narrow view I had pursued. And I liked it. And then I discovered that you could combine the two.
0: Sports are sports, but news, which sports is often a part of, is all-encompassing. So how was it?
2: I literally covered county government when Lou Sterrett was the judge, not the jail.
0: A little more history. W.L. Lou Sterrett served as a Dallas County judge from 1948 to 1979. The city then named the new jail in Dallas after him in 1993 but news was okay.
2: That was fine. I told them from the beginning that I wanted to do sports and they really didn't have much of a presence. Some, for some reason, WRRFM had SMU basketball, a man by the name of Eddie Hill did those games. So I was a news reporter and I kept wanting to do sports and I kept bothering them and but making sure I did my job first. And finally, after a period of some months, they got tired of me pestering and they said, okay, we had a 30 minute news block at noon, Monday through Friday. They said, okay, we'll give you five minutes at the end of the news block to do sports, but we're not paying you anymore. I think at the time, Brady, I was making $10,000 a year. And I said, I don't care. Mm
0: -hmm. I was thrilled. Now we're talking, but were you really ready for all the sports in Dallas?
2: In addition to doing my news job, I got myself credentialed at everything in town. And the Cowboys was the the most important and the least for me to pursue because everybody was doing that. I would go cover everything that moved.
0: Say yes to everything and then go out and do everything.
2: After they allowed me to do that sportscast for probably a year or so, I then went to him and said, you know, when I was growing up in Chicago, they did radio shows in the, in the evening where they would have the sports stars on the radio and people could call in and talk to them. And they said, well, we, we don't have anything like that. I said, "I know we should have that.
0: You can dog the people you work for about something else that you want to do, but only if you're doing your current job at a high level, I think. Tell me, this worked out.
2: They eventually said, "Okay." In 19, sometime, I'm pretty sure it was 1972. They said, "We will give you an hour on Sunday night, six o'clock Sunday night." But we're not paying you anymore. I said, "I don't care." So I added that to my repertoire.
0: Now, this part is important. I know you just hear a young kid asking for more sports to be added to his job description, but when they said yes and WRR added a call-in sports talk show, it was the very first of its kind in Dallas. It was called Sportsline Dallas, and callers could call in and talk to Brad Sham and other athletes that came all the way to downtown Dallas to the studio on Sunday nights to talk to local sports fans. It was huge, and it opened the door for guys you know like Norm Hitzkus and Randy Galloway. And Brad plays it cool here, but it was huge. Still doing news, too?
2: Still had the news job. Was, I was doing celebrity interviews of the stars of productions who came through town for the Dallas Summer Musicals.
0: I interviewed John Davidson and Milton Burle and Joan Rivers and all kinds of people. So you interviewed Milton Burle, Uncle Milty, and Joan Rivers, and you were... I was a punk
2: kid in his 20s. These people were all major show business stars who sprinkled the likes of me on their breakfast cereal. Milton Berle was an icon. I was quite in awe sitting and talking to him which I'm sure he could tell, and he was kind. He had a reputation for not being so kind all the time, but he was very he was very kind to me.
0: Actor-comedian Milton Burl was so big in the 50s that NBC in 1951, mind you, signed him to a 30-year contract at $1 million a year. In 1951, that was monster money. And Joan, was she kind to you? Joan Rivers I remember
2: distinctly because I had such tremendous respect for what she could do with an audience. And I remember thinking, as we sat down and started to talk, that I would, I would parry with her, I would, I'll, I'll trade barbs with her. And she sized me up in about five seconds <laughs> and uh, bloodlessly diced me into small pieces in about the next 20 seconds. And I realized that I better just play it straight. She, she was really, she was great.
0: So that's a no on Joan being kind, but she was herself. And she had fun with our young man, Brad Sham. Not bad, kid. Back to Sportsline Dallas, please.
2: And then I did this call-in show. That was the first one in the area.
0: Sportsline Dallas was a great show. Now, maybe Brad didn't know it at the time. He was young, and he was just doing what came naturally and what he'd heard back in Chicago as a teen. But this show was groundbreaking in the city of Dallas, and it was good. Just ask longtime WFAA sports anchor Dale Hansen.
1: When I was driving to Dallas, I was coming down 35, got my car filled up with what few possessions I had, and I'm coming to work at KDFW. And I'm listening to Brad Sham on KRLD and they were doing the, They were doing the writers roundtable show after the Cowboys. Game. And I swear to God, I almost turned my car around because I knew I couldn't do that. I knew they were so much better than anything I had ever heard on radio. My insecurity was such that I thought I need to turn this car around. I, I can't do this. Oh, my God. It was it was just incredible.
0: Dale will be in Brad's story again here shortly and we appreciate the two-time sportscaster of the year for joining in with his friend Story. So Sportsline Dallas was great and put Brad Sham on the map.
2: Everything else that's happened to me professionally kind of took off from there.
0: So then what? Because I sensed something different.
2: In March of 75, I had a bunch of stuff going on in my life. I needed a change. And and a lovely, lovely man named Joe Ishell, who was an employee of Lamar Hunt's and was the general manager of the Dallas Tornado, who I also covered, although I knew nothing about soccer. When I say nothing, I'm not being kind to myself. I'm being quite literal. Joe took a job as the general manager of the Denver Dynamos of the North American Soccer League, and he asked me to come with him to uh, be the PR person. So I did that, and I had an experience as the PR director of a professional soccer team. That team folded after that one season, and uh, after being unemployed for three months and being that close to going to law school, which my dad said, no, you will not.
0: Wait, why won't your dad support your desire to go to law school?
2: I always thought that that would have been my second choice of of a profession. And it wasn't that he had anything against law school, but he did not believe that I had played out the string on my dream. I think that he had more faith in my ability to do what I wound up doing than I did. He just was not going to let me quit. I needed that. It's one of, the, one of the best things he ever did for me.
0: I love that story. That is parenting.
4: Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black?
3: We're turning your living room into your office and your gym. We're teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new.
4: Work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. <laughs> well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com.
5: Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting Cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com slash Cowboys.
2: My parents were great, Brady. My dad wanted my happiness. He knew what I wanted to do. And I think perhaps he could see that I had the, the ability to do it. But mostly he knew it was what I wanted to do he was very smart and very wise not in the least overbearing very even handed there are a lot of times in my life when i made bad choices and he let me sat and watched me do it because he thought it was something that i had to learn how to do and we we would maybe have a conversation about it after the fact but in this case he he said no you're not quitting
0: pretty cool keep mm-hmm. trying
2: and, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I will forever be grateful to him for that.
0: I want to get back to you being the PR man for a couple of different soccer teams in a couple of different cities, Brad, because that's not where you really saw yourself, I'm pretty sure.
2: I was starting to get the itch. I'd been gone for a year and a half, not quite from the business. I realized that I was not in the business that I was supposed to be in
0: A public relations director of a pro-sports team works non-stop, mostly on internal things and things that make your team look a certain way. But it's not sports. It's management. And that's not what Brad Sham was pointing at, and that's not what his father had insisted he keep pushing towards. So what's next? Because I know it gets better.
2: In the summer... The dead summer of 1976, Al Whisk, coming right out of the University of Michigan, was hired by KRLD, and he worked with Vern Lundquist and Frank Gleiber, God rest his soul, on Cowboy Broadcasts. Al, he got in a, a fight with the GM at KRLD and quit. When Al left, I was actually interviewed for that job was in the middle of the season of 1976 the soccer season and I flew down and and I talked to uh, all of the people at KRLD I talked to Vern I talked to Frank none of them wanted me which I completely understood because I was not always a joy to be around
0: You know, you've made a couple of references to you being tough to deal with for your boss is sort of permanently cranky when you were young. You're telling us that your attitude sucked, I guess, but I've known you for 20 years and I've never seen any of that. What was up?
2: We don't really have time to get into a deep psychological profile of me in my 20s, but I was very insecure and did not have any sense of where I belonged in the world. And my dress and outward behavior manifested that circumstances forced me to grow up a little bit. Uh, They just didn't want to work with me. I was unpleasant to be around. I don't blame them.
0: Insecure and searching for your identity in your 20s. I'd say we've all been forgiven for something along those lines. So you finished your second soccer season in your second different city. Then what happened? And when I got back, the manager at KRLD had called
2: me and after having not hired me during the summer they now wanted to hire me
0: huh that's great what changed
2: well what <laughs> what changed what they hired someone else first because all these people didn't want to work with me and the john butler was the man's name may he rest in peace he was the general manager at KRLD. And he had a different vision. He had heard me do the talk show on WRR and believed that I was the best person to continue to do it on KRLD. So he overruled everybody. He said, no, I'm hiring him. You guys figure it out. And uh, that's what changed. Their boss said, deal with it.
0: In the media broadcasting business, it often comes down to one person's opinion about what they think you can do as an on-air personality. Much of it can be luck, or timing, or maybe someone steps up on your behalf.
2: I'm not here, I'm not here having this conversation with you without John Butler believing that I, I could uh, do that job.
0: KRLD, who had the Cowboys broadcast for the 1970s and 80s, and their GM, John Butler, had a feeling. Despite some trepidation from others, Butler went with Brad Sham to host the call-in sports talk show on KRLD and to call Dallas Cowboys football games. To this point in Brad's story, his life has been a bit all over the place. But he's been hired for a great job, and I promise the second part of our story is also all over the place. Because now, Dale Hansen's in it, Eric Nadel, Babe Laufenberg, and Tony Romo. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Please check in next Monday for part two of the Brad Sham story on A Cowboy Life. The storytelling podcast, as always, presented by Smoothie King. Blending goodness to fuel your greatness.